Hello, this is Dwayne McCreary. Thank you for joining us again this week as we look at session three of our study of Romans from Explore the Bible. I'm being joined again this week by Drew Dixon. Drew is the team leader for the student Explore the Bible. And so, Drew, thank you for being here with us as we look at session three. Today. Yeah, absolutely. Today, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter two, verses 17 through 29. Last week, we looked at passages in chapter one that dealt with all of us being guilty. This week, we're going to deal with people who address that guilt by being religious. He's really pointing to the Jews here who felt that they, um, because of their religious practices, that they were okay. In verses 17 through 24, uh, Paul's going to expose the hypocrisy of the Jews who felt superior to Gentiles but were unable to follow their own teachings. He's going to list several claims that pointed to their perceived superiority uh, before asking them rhetorically about their adherence to the law. The hypocrisy of the Jews led Gentiles to blaspheme the God they served. Verses 25 through 27, Paul then explains that the value of having the law is found in keeping the law. Keeping the law in one point, like circumcision, is useless if the rest of the law is not followed. Paul states that obedient Gentiles would judge disobedient Jews who failed to keep the law. He follows that in verses 28 and 29 by explaining that the true follower of God is marked not by circumcision, but by a heart dedicated to God. So really the outline follows these three ideas. Hypocrisy revealed, which is in 2, 17 through 24. Obedience required, which is in 25 and 20 through 27 of chapter 2. And then the heart recognized in verses 28 and 29. So we're going to be dealing with, with this passage, these outlines. Let's start with this question, Drew. Why is keeping the law insufficient for salvation? Yeah. I mean, I think the ultimate answer is because the law condemns us, because we don't live up to it. Um, you know, James talked about this as well. Like, if you fail at one point, you're guilty of breaking it all. Um, Paul talked about it in Galatians and said the law is like a tutor that should lead us to Jesus, but the law itself is not our Savior. Um, it can't save us. In fact, it condemns us. Um, but I do think it's important to, like, take a step back and say, I think there's sometimes we as Christians can almost, like— um, get into the habit of thinking of the law as because Paul says it can't save us, of thinking of it as a bad thing, but it's actually a really wonderful and helpful tool, and it's a gift. You know, the verse you mentioned, tutor. Yeah. I mean, it teaches us what we, where we fall short. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think it's a t- like some people even translate that as like a, like a guide or a shepherd. It's, mm-hmm. it's designed to like shepherd our hearts uh-huh. towards Jesus. So when we see the law f- as a really helpful tool, uh, will run to Christ for salvation because he can forgive us of our sins. He can save us from failing to live up to the law. But, uh, but if we think we'll get God to love us more by, um, by keeping the law, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be sorely disappointed. In this section, Paul's talking about religious people. I mean, they, they were religious folks. Yeah. How might this passage apply to cultural Christians in our world today? You know, my mom was a Baptist, so I'm a Baptist, mm-hmm. or... Or, um, well, I, I go to church every week, so I'm okay. How might this passage apply to those who we would call cultural Christians? Yeah. Yeah, I, and so I think Paul here is saying, like, um, he, I think he's certainly calling out some of the Jewish folks in Rome and, and elsewhere probably too, around Rome, who were, um, yeah, boasting in their Jewish background, their pedigree, their their knowledge maybe even of the law and he's saying 
Like if you don't live out the law's demands, like you're actually worse off than these Gentiles who who, who are, and and they'll judge you because you don't you don't measure up. And so I, I think it certainly applies to a lot of people today. I think we can all kind of fall into this. It's like you know I I, I was that way growing up. I thought I was a Christian for many years because. I went to church on occasion, and I had a family who went to church uh, on occasion. Um, I so think, you were a believer by proxy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people still think that way. You know, you talk to a lot of kids that probably uh, – there's probably adults in our church who come only sporadically, and they're like, yeah, I go every now and then, so I'm a Christian. Um, or it's like you also – we also have people in our church who go every week. They know the answers to every Bible question. They uh, uh, serve pretty actively. And their attitude about serving is probably tied up in, like, wanting some position of influence or power in the church as opposed to, like, actually seeking Jesus and wanting to help other people seek Jesus. So um, we're well, all— along those same, Not long ago, I was visiting with someone who teaches Sunday school, and their statement to me was, well, I'm hoping I, I, I'm able to get enough merits so I can be in a higher place in heaven. Mm, yeah. Suddenly they were saying— they didn't mean to, I don't think. I don't know if they did or not. Suddenly they were saying that they're really working their way there. Mm. They're keeping and they're doing these things yeah. with the hope. They're do, not doing it out of, out, of ser, uh, out of a love relationship to God. They're doing it because they hope they do enough good stuff yeah. to where it, it outbalances the bad stuff. Mm. But yeah. So I hear that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it reminds me that we need to be careful to look at our own motives on why yep. we're doing yep. stuff. Yeah, because we're all prone to that or susceptible to that, right? Like we all, because of our sin nature, we have this t- this tendency to want to be recognized for the ways that we serve at church, or we want to be, we want what we think we're just we are owed <laughs> yeah. for our efforts and our money and our. You, know, you hear that a lot in church, like, "Well, I gave this amount of money, so." Um, you ought to do this or that in the church or, or whatever. But the reality is is that um, we're all debtors to grace. Like we all um, need, uh, we need a Savior. And that changes the way we see God, changes the way we see each other, changes the way we see the church and our, and our, our obligation or, or how we serve in it. Um, yeah. Our motivation or our view of the obligation is different. Yeah, for sure. We feel obligated because of, because of our salvation versus being obligated with the hope of gaining that salvation. Mm-hmm. Those are two very different worlds. Yep. Paul talks a lot uh, in verses 28 and 29 about circumcision of the heart. Mm. How do we explain that concept to our groups? It's tricky because anytime you talk about circumcision, you're going to have some people in your group that, um, even though we're talking about adult groups here, there's still going to be some people that feel awkward. Especially this co-ed group. Yeah, it's it's awkward. It's an awkward discussion. But the point is that circumcision it was this outward, visible symbol that you were set apart f- as the people of God. Like this was something that made – this was something that many of the other nations thought was was strange. And it is strange, yeah. like to be honest. Uh, but it – and so it, it, it was like a, a sign. You are, you are God's people. Um, and so Paul's saying that, that – the whole point of that was to set people apart for God's use, for God's uh, possession. It was a way to demonstrate a, a commitment to the covenant, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, and now we're God's people through faith in Jesus. We're, we're, and so, so Paul's alluding back to I think the new covenant, the promise of the new covenant in Jeremiah and, and Ezekiel, 
Um, and he's saying that those who are God's people are God's people by faith, and God gives them new hearts. He takes their hearts of stone and makes them hearts of flesh. You know, he takes, um, he takes what's dead to sin in us and makes it alive again. It's a, a spiritual resurrection of our sinful nature. Yeah, that, that's what Paul's saying. Like, if we have truly trusted Jesus, what's sinful in us has been cut away has been done away with, and God's given us new life. He set us apart for his use. And so we'll live out the things that the law says we ought to be doing, not out of desire to earn God's love and favor, but because we already have it, but because we, we've, we've been given this new resurrected nature. Any other key insights you have from this passage? Um, I think uh, would also just encourage you, encourage leaders to think about um, – you know, hypocrisy is a big theme here. You know, doing one thing and saying another, it's something everybody in your group does from time to time. Um, but as we grow in our walk with Christ, um, we become more like, I think, self-aware, hopefully. We're becoming more and more self-aware of the ways that we can be hypocritical. On page 28 of the, of the personal study guide, it, this phrase is highlighted. It says, God's people became self-centered and self-righteous snubbing their noses at the very people they were commanded to help. Mm-hmm. Um, this is being said in, in light, uh, and directed towards Israel, but we as believers can fall into this same trap of being self-centered, yeah. self-righteous, and then snub our noses at the very people that we've been commanded to help. That's a, that's a warning mm-hmm. we all need to heed. Uh, that's a statement, a quote that, that could bring a great deal of discussion. Yeah. How do you see that today? How is that expressed? How do you see it in your own life? What are the dangers of doing that? How does that get in the way of us fulfilling God's mission? Yeah. There's a lot of different questions that could be asked mm-hmm. just based off that one statement within the group time that would really bring some um, some needed thought and reflection on how this particular passage relates to us today uh, as believers. Yeah. Drew, thank you for being with us today. I appreciate it very much. We look forward to y'all being with us again next week as we look at session four. If you have comments about Explore the Bible, uh, feel free to send us emails. My name is Dwayne McCrary, so you can send it to my email at Dwayne, D-W-A-Y-N-E, dot McCrary, M-C-C-R-A-R-Y, at Lifeway.com. If you have comments about the student resources, you can send it to Drew, and that's D-R-E-W dot Dixon, D-I-X-O-N, at Lifeway.com, and it'll go straight to his email. Between the two of us, we can answer almost any question you ask us about Explore the Bible, but if you ask us a question we don't know, we promise to find the person who can give you that answer.